Well, it's Labor Day weekend, which for most of us uh, signals the end of summer, although it sure still feels like uh, summer outside for us. Someone earlier asked me to pray for winter to arrive, and so uh, I will because it's hot outside. But Labor Day really is also uh, intended to honor the American labor movement and celebrating the economic and social contributions that workers have made to the health and the, the well-being and the strength of our country. Uh, for some of us, work is a four-letter word. And for all of us, work is a gift from God. A gift and an opportunity to use the gifts and talents that God has given to us. Whether you currently work in a job that pays you, or you work in a job that doesn't pay you, or you're looking for work, or you are retired from work, our work is more than just a job. Our work is living fully into who God created us to be. Essentially, our work is whatever we do. Paul writes to the Colossians, and whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I wonder what you consider your work to be. Let us pray. Lord, I pray that you would open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive your word to us today, that it would take hold of us and transform us. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable to you, for you are our rock and our Redeemer. Amen. The very beginning of our scripture, in Genesis 2, this is at the end of creation, the creation, first creation story, thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all their multitude. And on the seventh day, God finished the work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all the work that he had done. A little bit later, the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to till it and to keep it. Work is an essential part of who we are and what we do. God creates and God works. And we who are created in God's image are also given work to do. As people of faith, we believe that God works in us and through us as we cooperate and participate with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit guiding us and leading us to the work that God has for us. That work, whatever it is that we do, as people of faith, we we are about building the kingdom of God, making disciples of Jesus Christ. We all have work to do, whether it is paid or unpaid. At some point in our lives, most of us uh, worked in such a way that we earned money to provide for ourselves and for our families. John Wesley has a pretty famous sermon called The Use of Money, in which he describes what it means for us to, uh, to work, to live in this world, uh, to live into who we're created to be, and how we live in relationship to the world around us, engaged with the world and the people around us. Out of that sermon comes a a very um, popular phrase, a well-known phrase of John Wesley related to work and money, to earn all you can, to save all you can, and to give all you can. If you're around the Methodist Church long enough, you're going to hear that. And, And that was John Wesley's wisdom for how we engage with money and how we engage with uh, work and what it means to uh, cooperate with God in, in the way that this world works. 
And so tonight we're going to use Earn All You Can sort of as an outline, the framework uh, for what it means to, to think about God and work, the theology of work. What does our work say about what we believe about God and how it is that that's all tied together? These uh, slides, these, wor- these words are John Wesley's words. You can go read this sermon, The Use of Money, and you'll find this information. Work should not be done at the expense of life or health, should not be so physically hard as to impair our constitution, should not deprive us of proper seasons for food and sleep, should not be absolutely and totally unhealthy, I guess you could be kind of and sort of unhealthy, but not absolutely and totally unhealthy. Should not involve many hours in an uneasy posture. It's interesting to me that one of the biggest challenges in our culture is is how we draw the line between how much work is healthy and how much work uh, goes over the line to become a problem to our health and to our well-being. In our culture, success is often perceived as as coming to those who work the longest and work the hardest. We celebrate people uh, who work 70 to to 80 hours a week. That, That kind of is a badge of honor in some circles. It's not here at the church. I just want you to to know that. Right, Patty? Are you glad to know that? Uh, and, and so, uh, but, but we have this idea that if, if we work more, we'll get more. And if we get more, then we'll be more important. We, we tie our whole value and worth to this kind of work or amount of work that we do. We want to, to be the best and, and have the most. We want to do more and achieve more. And we somehow think that 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 by working more hours, that that's what will happen. And it's killing us. It's killing us. For some, achieving the American dream becomes more of a nightmare when the cost is greater than what the dream is worth. If you're living the American dream, but it kills you, is it worth that? Research shows that longer hours tend to decrease rather than increase productivity, and it creates other health concerns and safety concerns and morale concerns. There's, there's reasons why uh, pilots and truck drivers um, and doctors are limited to the number of consecutive hours that they can work. Mainly, it, it is for the health of those other people whom they serve, but really for any of us. If we're working all these consecutive hours to achieve more and do more, we become a detriment to ourselves as well as to others in our world. The truth is that God designed us in a way that rest and restoration are part of the rhythm of our work. On the seventh day, God finished the work and God rested. If God can rest from creating the world, then surely... Surely we can rest from the work that we do. When we constantly ignore this, then our work actually becomes less effective. And in some ways, we dishonor God, who created us in God's image to work with God in the work that God gives us to do. Work should not hurt our mind, should not be unethical, should not expose us to temptation, should be suitable to our personality. John Wesley says, in gaining money 
in our work, we must not lose our own souls. There is a danger when our, in our work we expose our heart and our mind to practices that are contrary to what God tells us about who we are and who God calls us to be and how God calls us to live. It's also true that not every job is right for every person. This is true physically and spiritually. There are some jobs that, I, that aren't suitable for me. For physical reasons, the physical demands or requirements of the job are not such that I can do. Those, I should not apply for those jobs, right? It's also true spiritually that there are some jobs that may be unhealthy spiritually for me that other people are very able to do. For John Wesley, it was about math. He writes about uh, not having jobs that included math or arithmetic or algebra uh, because in the numbers, it got him so much out of the realm of his faith that it became a conflict for him. For other people, it's, uh, they work in the different sciences, and in science, sometimes uh, the tensions that arise between what they're working on and what their faith says become untenable to them. So it's better for them not to work in those places, but there are people who can do that quite well. For other people, it's working in, in the government. For other people, it's in politics. For me, it would not be good for me or my family or anyone around me for me to be working in politics, but there are people who do it well with great faith and with great confidence and with great humility. Uh, Just this morning, many of you probably also saw uh, coverage of John McCain's service in which he was remembered as a man of this kind of integrity who could live out his faith even in the environment in which he worked and served for so many years. Work should not hurt our neighbor. Work should not hurt our neighbor, not financially, not physically, and not spiritually. If we're growing in grace, if we're moving toward perfection, being made perfect in love, where, where it's the love of God and love of neighbor that rules our thoughts and our minds and our actions, then we will care about how our work affects other people. We will care about the impact of what we do and, and how we do it. Our gain at the expense of someone else's well-being is inconsistent with who God created us and calls us to be. Work should be done with honest industry, with good use of time and energy. Work should be done promptly, with our whole strength, not half-hearted, with common sense, using uh, the gifts and uh, talents and the minds that God has given to us, and with constant learning and improvement. I try to tell my kids all the time, it's okay if you don't get it right. Tomorrow's a new day to, to learn from that and try it again. But our culture, again, along with this idea that you've got to work 70 to 80 hours a week, also insists on kind of this instant perfection. And we create this culture of, of shame and embarrassment if, if you aren't able to get something right. But the posture of of working as one who follows Christ is that we're constantly seeking to be made more like Christ, constantly seeking ways to improve what we do and who we are as we grow in that love. And so letting yourself know you're not going to always get it right. Whatever your work is, you're not always going to get it right. But can you work to have an attitude of, of growing and learning so that tomorrow you do it better than today and the next day, better than tomorrow. 
Working in this way happens when it, with the power and presence of the Holy Spirit in us. We don't do this on our own. Because our temptation would be to follow the culture and, and allow our success to be defined as the culture defines success. That's not the kind of work that God created us for. And so we rely on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, a living relationship. Our relationship with God is always expressed in action as well as in thought or deed. A living relationship with God, our creator, is expressed in what we create with our lives. Work is not just something we do because we have to have money to provide for ourselves and our families. Work is essential to who we are created to be. It's not on our own, though. We are co-workers, co-creators with God. Author uh, Dorothy Sayers writes this, Work should be thought of as a creative activity undertaken for the love of the work itself. And the human, made in God's image, should make things as God makes them for the sake of doing well a thing that is well worth doing. Sayers contends that work is not primarily a thing one does to live, but the thing one lives to do. It is, or it should be, the full expression of the worker's faculties, the thing in which he or she finds spiritual, mental, and physical satisfaction, and the medium in which he or she offers himself or herself to God. Think about the work that you do, paid or unpaid. Think about the work that you do. How does it express your relationship with God? Or does it? And if it doesn't, I wonder what needs to shift for you. Maybe it's not getting a new job. Maybe it's a shift internally about how you view your job or your work. Maybe you've assumed the work you do is all on your own. When in fact... As one created in God's image, the work you do is in uh, connection with God and what God is doing. Our work is not only about what we do, it is about what God does in and through us. Paul writes to the Philippians, this is towards the end of that great hymn about having the mind of Christ. It is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. When we're connected to God in this loving relationship, understanding who we are and who we're created to be, then then the work that God asks us to do and provides for us to do, we can do for God's pleasure. We can do in a way that God takes delight in working with us and in us and through us. Our work is greater than ourselves. It's part of the bigger picture of God's kingdom and what it means to to be building God's kingdom. This is out of Matthew 25. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. As I was reading this text this week, I thought, you know, we tend to focus on those activities, 
right? Feeding the hungry, clothing those who don't have clothes, visiting those in prison, tending to the sick. But it occurred to me this week, this really is as much about being mindful of what we see as it is about the activity that we do. But when we can see, even as Barry was praying, when we can see God in the other, then we are naturally going to do whatever needs to be done to care for the other. It's, it's about not, not about what we do, but about our mindset and being open to seeing what God is asking us to do, mindful of the other. There's a great story. I'm going to play a clip from ABC News from about a month ago. Uh, a great story about a, a young man named Jack Ryan at, um, Edwards and Jordan Taylor. Here's the story. Finally, America's strong every night here. And when we saw this, we knew we had to share it. The kindness that did not go unanswered. You are watching a simple act of kindness. But another Rouse's supermarket employee, Jordan Taylor, right there on the left, allowing a young customer who seemed interested in his job to help him stock the store's refrigerator. <laughs> You're so good, man. I appreciate that. That customer, 17-year-old Jack Ryan Edwards from Baton Rouge. He has autism, and he's nonverbal. Jack's father, Sid, capturing the moment on his cell phone, and you can hear how moved he is by the kindness shown to his son. I'm, I'm watching a miracle in action. You know I'm watching a miracle, he says, his son interacting with that young worker. He's a autistic child. He would help him for 30 minutes. Jack Ryan's family was so grateful, his sister first sharing the kind deed on Facebook, Talk about a stand-up young man, she writes, applauding the grocery store worker, Jordan, for being kind to her brother. And then, kindness shown to Jordan, the worker. A GoFundMe page set up to help send him to college, already raising more than $50,000 tonight. Hi, my Today, the family sending us a message. And this is my baby brother, Jack Ryan Edwards. Jack, you want to look at Cody? Look at brother. Tonight, they want to thank everyone who reached out about their brother for my family to watch the video and to see him having an accomplishment and doing something that might not mean, it might mean nothing to other people. Um, you know, other 17-year-olds, you get excited when they get a date to the prom. So for us, this was his shining moment. This was, you know, this was Jack Ryan's prom. This was, this was his big day. Today, Jack was back at that store He's now been offered a part-time job as the community also reaches out to help Jordan, the worker, too, whose act of kindness in that moment spread faster than anyone could have imagined. There are Jacks and Jordans in every part of this country. I'm David Muir. Thanks for watching. Good night. All work provides an opportunity to witness to the power and love of God in our lives. All work. All work provides an opportunity to witness to the power and love of God in our lives. Paul writes to the Colossians, Whatever your task, put yourselves into it, as done for the Lord and not for your masters, since you know that from the Lord you will receive the inheritance as your reward. You serve the Lord Christ. Whatever your task, whatever you do, the worker at the store didn't have to help Jack Ryan. It took him longer to stock that, uh, that refrigerator than probably anything else all day. But he did it. And not only that, it opened up the space 
for Jack Ryan to have an opportunity to work, which he might not otherwise been given. And it opened up the space for God's glory to be revealed and the generosity of people to help a young man who longed to go to college be able to go to college, who was working in order to improve himself. Whatever your task, whatever your whatever you do, your work may look different today than it did in days past, but whatever you do with your day is your work. Whatever you do with your day is your work. And as long as you are breathing, there is work for you to do. And whatever work you do is to glorify God. Whatever work you do is to glorify God. Let the people say, amen.